Welcome to another episode of On the Mic with Mike Peters. This week's guest is Albany comedian Travis Steely. I met Travis like three years ago, and uh, he's actually gotten funnier. I am very surprised. He's one of the best producers around the state of New York. He runs rooms all over the Albany area. Right before the stay-at-home order went into effect, he hosted for Kyle Kinane on a great show. We talked about that. He's awesome. You guys will love him. Please rate and review the podcast. I appreciate all the kind words. Take care, everybody. Stay safe. I'll talk to you next week. Peeling back my sunburned skin. I'll wait outside your bedroom. I hope they let me in. Thanks for, you know, traveling all the way from your desk to your desk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it was a very far drive, I know. Like, it's uh, odd times. That's all I'm going to say during this. <laughs> what, what were you doing, like, right before now? Like, what did I rip you away from? Pretty much uh, the dishes. That was pretty much the highlight of my day. I'm not going to lie, dude. <laughs> like, it's gotten to the point now to where it's like, okay, so if I don't do the dishes in the morning, I know I have something to do later on in the day. Like, that's how fucking bored I am right now. <laughs> I know. I, like, I... I'll listen to a podcast while I'm making dinner and I'm like, oh, while this is cooking, I can go grab dishes and wash them, but I don't want to do them all. Yeah, exactly. Then what? What do I have to look forward to? Yeah, exactly. Because you're like, I need something to do later. And it's like, at this point, I'm just going to take what sleeping pills just so I can freaking pass out and have a normal (laughs) life. At any point, are you happy with having the time off? Uh, I don't have, I mean, I'm not. You got a job. Yeah, I got a day job, but also like. This past week alone, I lost out on seven gigs. So, like, I'm not too thrilled with that. And then, like, basically since this whole thing started up until now, I'd say I've lost about 15 gigs. So, that's that's been fun. And uh, just losing more as it's just lining up. You know what I mean? Just week by week. I'm like, oh, this is just great. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid to actually put a count on it. I think I had 14 shows in March. I got, like, five of them. Yep. And all of April, I think I had 14 or 15 in April. All that's out. And then yep. we're going in May. So oh, yeah. I'm screwed yeah. now. I'm I don't even know how to boat. reschedule them. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I'm on the same boat now because it's like, all right, so what do I do? Like, I can't even reschedule them because none of these places are open. I can't even like move them or do anything or just be like, hey, what do we do? And nothing is, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty much just a stalemate of shit right now. <laughs> how are you working with the businesses uh the businesses are cool i mean like the venues that i work with and stuff they all pretty much understand they're just like yeah there's nothing we can do so they're just like yeah whenever it happens you know we're gonna keep going because i know like one of the newer venues i was working with madison theater was like yeah the second that we get the approval we're gonna do a show that week and i was like all right let me know and i'll get something lined up for you and then um there's a couple other venues that were like you know hey there's nothing we can do pretty much until it opens. So I'm like, yeah, no, I totally get that. So, I mean, they've all been pretty cool. Uh, if they were a dick about it, then it's kind of like, really? Like, you don't have a reason to be. <laughs> yeah, like, that's what I've noticed, like, from the, the audience members who reach out. They're all like, yeah, we wish you would do virtual. I'm like, yeah, me too. But, you know, we're going through the business, like this bar, and the bar also wants the money. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, I can't really just do that. I can do something independently. Some of those audience members just want comedy. They're just starved for it now. Yeah, there's... I get it. It's like you guys want comedy and stuff, but it's like there's so much more to it now. It's not like my first couple of years was like, yeah, you know, it's just comedy. I'll go up and do it. Now there's so much more to it that it's just like uh, it doesn't work like that anymore. <laughs> it's kind of a pain in the ass. <laughs> when did you get your start? I started 
I'd say five years ago, give or take. Give or take around five years ago, I think. When are you going to write your first good joke? Ah, Jesus. I, they say 10 years, right? 10 years in is when you start. So I got another five. I'd say another got five years and then I should be all right. <laughs> in five years, I, I got this. So I got another five years to write a good joke. <laughs> I think we're all rooting for you. I know. There's a lot of people. I See, that's the thing. I always said, like, the day I stopped getting booked, I'm like, all right, uh, I guess I'm not that good. <laughs> <laughs> and th- now we know why you produce shows. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's, I mean, between you and I, there's a reason why we produce more than we perform, but that's... Oh, no shit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to make that one public. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, nah, like, I like producing. Producing's fun. It's kind of like you got your handle on everything, and then you can jump on and work new stuff when you want to as well. So it's kind of like your own show that you get to do whatever you want on, which is nice, but also you run it like an actual legit show, like yeah. not a shit show. I told people, so many people... I'm like, yeah, you know, the reason I like to book my own shows is because nobody can tell me I can't perform on them. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> like, like, no one can be like, hey, you're doing five. And I'm like, nah, I'm doing whatever I want. I'll do two if I really want to. I'll do 20 if I want to. But, How long did it take you to produce a show after you started uh, telling jokes? Um, hmm, I'd say about two and a half, three years. I got, I got blessed because like my first show I produced was 220 people. So Fuck, it was like, dude. yeah, it was, I was not expecting that. I was expecting 10. It was at a firehouse, and next thing you know, we sold it out over capacity. And I just was like, oh, shit, uh, we got to find more seats. <laughs> so then I got hooked pretty much from there. And now it's at this point now, um, I'm producing for, I think, 14 different venues like in the Northeast. Yeah, it's fucking, it's interesting. It's keeping me a lot, like, because it was before this whole quarantine shit. It was up to the point where I was producing three to five a month, you know what I mean, for venues. And it was just okay, so I didn't, this venue didn't do it last month, so now we're doing it next month, you know what I mean? And then vice versa the following month. And it was a pretty good, constant, steady, like, like, and most of them are selling out, you know what I mean? And I try to pride it to where at least the shows are good, to where that way it's like, all right, I booked decent comics, so even if there's not a lot of people there, the people that were there can at least say the show was really good. Right. How do you keep everything, because I've got about 14 or 15 rooms too. How do you keep everything straight? Well, it involves women. Uh, no, uh, sorry. <laughs> we but, all know uh, that's not true. Yeah, that's not true. I mean, I don't know. Part of me should be gay. Who knows? But, uh, maybe less stress of what I'm dealing with lately. But uh, no, I mean, it's it's pretty simple. Like, I guess it's a terrible thing to say is like, I line it up by like importance. So like, if there's a venue that I have that's like holds 40 compared to there's a venue that I have that holds 400. The one that I do 40, we do monthly shows at because those ones you can easily bang out and, you know, sell out. And those are simple. And then the one that does 400, I do probably every three months. And then there's a bunch of venues in between, small and big size. So it's like we go and just basically try to um, try to keep it on a set schedule. I mean, summertime, of course, kills it all because summertime, no one likes to do comedy. But thankfully, in New York, it's only two months. So yeah. for me, it helps that I have monthly shows. Yeah. So I treat every monthly show like, okay, you know, you race to the, the 30th of the month. And as soon as you get there, you know, you just change courses for the next month. Yeah, And for me, I'm averaging like probably about two or three shows a week. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just, once Sunday hits, then I start a new week and I just go from there. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Like I, I try to do it to where it's like, I plan, I try to plan it out three months in advance, like the show. That way it gives me time to get the comics, gives me time to produce. And like, if you're, if you're putting on a show, what, four days, five days out, it's going to be a shit show. There is no like guarantee. Of, there is no like ways around it. It's going to be a shit show. But like if you know, you have time to plan it and you actually get on the comics ass and you actually find a comic that promotes, which is damn near unheard of these days. You know, you can actually put on a really good show. Yeah. 
I think going three months ahead, I, I don't think, you know, I've never had one comedian complain that, that I booked too far ahead. You have to do it that way. Yeah, no, I've never had one that said, you know, oh, you booked too far ahead. It's like, if, if they said that, I'd be like, really? Like, that's that's really what we're doing now? But like, basically, yeah, it's, I try to plan everything out because that way also it helps me with my schedule to where like when I pick up gigs that have nothing to do with me producing, then I can be like, okay, I can do this. I can do that. You know, I can do all the other stuff too. So How often do you get those gigs? Pretty much every weekend, it's either I'm producing or I got a gig. It's gotten to the point now to where like, I'd say it's harder to find a weekend that I don't have shows compared to a weekend that I do. And I, I'm not saying that in a bragging way. It's just, you know, no. hey, yeah, I got shit going on. So that's cool. But what I've noticed is that the busier you are as a producer, the busier you're going to be as a comedian. People are going to get you. It's like playing hard to get. Yeah. Like, and like they'll ask you actually can say, no, I can't. I'm like, exactly. oh, okay, well, I'll get you on the next show. I'm like, all right, I'm not that good, but whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, like for example, like this past weekend, uh, or not this weekend that we're on, but the weekend before, I was supposed to do uh, Tim Dillon with the, at the Funny Bone. They're supposed to open up for him. And then Monday, Tuesday, I had shows. I had one in Poughkeepsie, and then I had one down in Nyack or something. And then I had Wednesday off, and then I was supposed to have Madison Thursday, Arsenal Friday, and then one out in Massachusetts Saturday. So it was like two of us producing, but the rest of them I was all on this week. So it was just, you know, all basically back and forth. But now it's like, okay, who knows? <laughs> and all this was a full-time job? Uh, yeah, pretty much full-time job and trying to work out and at the time having a girlfriend too. But, you know, girlfriend dumped me, so that's a good thing. And, oh, that's good uh, though. I, yeah, I guess. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. You, you weren't the one in love with her. But yeah. No. <laughs> you don't know. Maybe I am now. Hey, whatever. You can have her, man. That's fine. Just don't fuck up like I did. And um, yeah, it's uh, interesting. Like I said, I, I still, also, I'm still going to school too. So add school in there. And then uh, also trying to open up a business, so add that in there. And then also, yeah, it's I like being busy, if you couldn't tell. So <laughs> you could argue that the pandemic gave you a much-needed break. It did, but at this point, it's like I only needed the break for a week, not a month. You right. know what I mean? Or like, two months or three months. Yeah, exactly. Because at this point, it's like, yeah, a week is fine. Like a couple of days to yourself to not do anything is fine. But then after that, you're just like, okay, I'm going nuts. Like, what do I do right now? What are you going to school for? Uh, just finishing up my IT degree. It's like my day job's paying for it. So it's just kind of like, all right, why not? Yeah, why you not? Know? I was in journalism and my paper decided, hey, you know, well, one of the perks to doing that was that they would pay for half of my graduate degree. Yep. And I was just about ready to do it. And they pulled it out like, no, we're not. We're going to freeze your wages and take away all of the good stuff that goes with the job. Yeah. Like, all <laughs> right. So fuck, man, if they're going to pay for it, absolutely take it. Oh, yeah, exactly. There's also like some other stuff going on too, like down the line future wise coming up that like it could just change the whole world if I get the job. So it's just kind of like planning by ear with that situation. So it's like, uh, you know, just playing with fire every day, I guess. Like, Wait, just, it'll change the entire world or your world? My entire world. Okay. I was going to say like, so, as in like comedy might be uh, thrown out for a little while. No kidding. Yeah. So oh. we'll see though. It's one of those like, if it happens, it happens. Well, what got you into stand up? Pretty much the same way I got into mixed martial arts. It was uh like by accident, I guess. <laughs> um, I uh, your ass kicked in an alley and be like, "Fuck it, not gonna well, let that, this happen again." Well, that's that's what happened with MMA. Like Is I showed really? up, to, I showed up to the gym and I saw these guys kickboxing. I was like, "I got this," and uh, literally got the shit kicked out of me. And I was like, "Well, I got to learn how to fight." So I did that, and then you know, two years later, the guys like, "You want to take an actual fight?" I was like, "Yeah, sure, let's do it." And then pretty much just went that way. But then with the comedy, it was. Uh, I saw this one kid that I was friends with randomly on Facebook and kept posting his sets. And I was like, wow, these are terrible. And um, I'm like, I'm better than that. And I always, I always thought, you know, I could do this. I could do this. Basically, I went, went to my first open mic. And I remember like uh, Rich Williams was there. 
but there's a couple other people that I don't know if they're still in the scene, but they were there. And I went up and bombed for the longest five minutes of my life. Like it was five minutes of zero laughs. Like at this point, if that happens now, I can at least make fun of myself and just laugh. But like it was the most awkward five minutes of my life. I'm guessing you had no punchlines. I uh, no. Was, I was it you had to be their story? Because you're a storyteller. Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty much like I have punchlines. I have little jokes. But yeah, I'm better on the stories. Yeah, it was a story with no punchlines or anything. Like I, I do that story now, but it's completely different because it actually is funny. <laughs> <laughs> I like doing that. Like, uh, like I think one of the first jokes I had one, I wouldn't even say it was a joke, but the story was about how I went to this bar and kind of met this woman and she was grinding on me. And I'm like, all right, I, I like dancing now. And I compared her to Hitler. You know how you, one does <laughs> like, no, as, like, yeah, a normal conversation, first meeting, yeah. you know, Hitler, yeah. Pol Pot, whatever. I pulled out all of them and I told that on stage and it, I think it went okay. But like a year later, I brought it back and I'm like, oh, let me try to actually write a joke about this. Yeah. Every year, I'll write more onto it. I'm like, oh, let me pull back, and it, it goes better every time. It's just, well, you like, just know. Yeah, like I have, I have a few stories that I'm like, I even laugh because like they're so just like out of this world, and I'm like, how can I even say this on stage? Because a, people are either not going to believe it, or b, it's just so outrageous. I'm like, I don't even know how I can make this funny because it's just insane. Like one involves almost getting married to a girl I met that night, like in Las Vegas, and she didn't oh, speak wow. English too. That was the best part. And then, um, what you speak? Uh, Portuguese. Okay. Yeah. That's just, and like, then, just like English. Oh, okay, clearly. It's dirty Spanish, right? <laughs> <laughs> and um, pretty much there's that. And then a couple of days later, getting food poisoning in Las Vegas um, in the middle of something. But I finished like a champ. So that's all I'm for you. Oh, yeah. The girl was not a fan, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, I always finish my goals. Okay. <laughs> I think I think that's admirable. Yeah. That's, you know, that's, you I know, thought so. It. I just watched, uh, I don't want to ruin it for you, and I don't think it will, but I just watched the Waco uh, yeah. show, and I don't know if it's the first or second episode, but you know about it, right? David Koresh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, cult. he starts having sex with this woman, like his wife. He stops himself because I started to enjoy it, which is like the most crazy reason to stop uh, having sex. All right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and the woman's like, it's okay to enjoy it a little. I'm your wife. So like he he just straight up was like, all right, I'm actually enjoying this. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Like he only had sex for procreation reasons, which oh, is so the opposite he, of every time I've ever done it. I, so he totally deserved what happened to him because I know the story. Absolutely. Yeah, he totally deserved it. Yeah, and if you follow along with him, you deserve to, you know, die. Yeah, no, that's... It's kind of like the Jim Jones character that convinced a bunch of people to go to Africa and like kill themselves. Like I have a new bit that I'm working on about cults actually, which is kind of funny. It's like, have you ever heard that guy talk? The Jim Jones guy? I saw a documentary. I don't remember if it was like a, like a facsimile or if it was real footage of him. Oh, he, so this is how he talks. Ready? All right. If we go and give me the Kool-Aid. Give me the Kool-Aid now. This. I just now, want to get out of this that, Kool-Aid. That guy convinced you to empty your savings out for him and then kill yourself. We all had that kid in school. That kid couldn't convince anyone to fucking run down the hallway, let no, alone do anything like that. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, if you fell for the cult shit, you're fucking restart. You're like, you're you're beyond dumb in my eyes. Like, <laughs> you get no sympathy. Like, if you're that easily convinced, here, let me fucking put on daytime show like QVC and sell you my shit. Right. Jesus. Yeah. That's. Have you done that on stage yet? No, not yet. Oh, I have. I've been. Written, I've written it during quarantine. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. And I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do an open mic Zoom meeting. You know what I mean? To or open mic comedy show. They're not that bad, honestly. I. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. You gotta. You gotta understand when you do a virtual open mic, or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's about getting laughs. It's about getting material out. But holy shit, is it more about 
talking to somebody face to face. Like, like I think that's it's more much more therapeutic for your mind than it is as a comedian. Yeah, does that make sense? Like, well, yeah, you gotta. That's like basically been me lately. It's like I just need to get out. It's like I don't care if I talk to anybody. I just need to get outside. And then at this point, it's like, oh, I'm talking to somebody. Even better. That's a bonus. Yeah, but. which is the only reason you're doing this podcast because you've run out of all the people to talk to. And you're like, no, Fuck that's it, I not guess. true. That's not true. I actually like you. You're one of the few people in the comedy world I like. <laughs> we met what uh, uh, at we the met at a- dark show in January of 2017, I believe. We met at what show? A it was dark a dark show. show, a dark comedy show, 2017 or 18. Dark comedy show. That's a nice way of saying it's a black show. No, no, no. It was at, <laughs> it was at Spotlight, so it could have been. Ah, uh, dark. <laughs> CJ Yeomans put it on. It was the uh, yeah, night yeah, is yeah. dark and full of terrors. I, yeah, I met him. Out. I met him at um, what was it? One of the Utica Cups. Yeah, and Phil Florida ran one. Yeah, and then he booked me to come out there. So that's and then that's how we met. Yeah. Okay, yeah, all right. So Jared, you brought Jarrett yeah. Mayo out. Yeah, I brought Sweetheart Jarrett. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, that was an interesting show. And that was that the one where like you had me headline and like the heat was turned off, so I wore my jacket on stage. Yeah, probably. Uh, if yeah. it was at Spotlight. <laughs> I love Dude, that I venue, was, but there was something something bad happened every show. Like uh the mics cut out, the lighting oh, was yeah. poor, the, uh, Dude, the bar was, was dirty. Uh it was just, so I had cold. To, that, oh like, man, there was one thing every time. It was so cold. And like normally I'd like, you know, I'm not gonna perform in a jacket, but literally I was like, I needed a freaking snow hat and gloves just to go because it's like I could feel my toes freezing while I was on stage. And I'm like, this shouldn't be happening. <laughs> It was fun though. You had a you had a bit. You st- I don't know if you still use it. That you were banned from America Southwest Airlines. Uh, American Airlines, yeah. American uh, Airlines. I use it as like my closer sometimes, but like I'm trying to get away from it because it's like I have it, but it's like obviously I want new shit and do other stuff. But like, yeah, no, that's 100 percent true. And I got a How buddy who uh, I forget. Uh, uh, I screwed up and attacked the wrong airlines pretty much, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it was my problem was with United and American was like go fuck yourself <laughs> and. Um, is it on Twitter? Uh, no, no. I went through Facebook. This one, my Twitter battles have just been with Adele, pretty much, and then that's pretty much it. So, wait, Adele, the musician? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I, she got. I thought me, it was she, Adele computer. No, 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 no. She uh, Adele got me banned from Twitter years ago. How? Uh, I was drunk and I tweeted something and I just went to bed. So she was doing like the Grammys or the Emmys or some fucking useless award show, and I saw it and everyone was like talking about how great the show was. So me, I tweeted to her and was just like, so what did you use to support the stage? I'm doing an addition on my house. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I just went to bed, right? I just was like, whatever. So I wake up and my phone is dead. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? So I plug it in. I had over a thousand notifications from Twitter. You're and kidding I'm like, me. No. And I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck is this? I plug it in. She fucking retweeted it. And then was like, my fans will always come after me and not see my true heart. And then all her fat fans came after me. And oh my God, I had a field day, dude. I was trying to reply back to all of them. <laughs> it's making friends. Oh, dude, everywhere. Dude, I was trying to reply back to every single one. And they just started reporting me. And then Twitter was like, yeah, your name is no longer valid. Same with this email. And they deleted that account. I was pissed. <laughs> How many followers did you have at that point? Uh, well, before the day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> before the day, I had maybe like 100. But then like midday i had probably like over two thousand. holy shit yeah and then um i mean they were all her fans trying to come after me so the key to gaining a whole lot of twitter followers is fat shaming uh yes and no yeah yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go with yes because like i guess we're not supposed to do that but like 
I mean, it's the only disease you can cure with a jog. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, it's kind of like, you know, Michael Scott's, you know, run for the cure kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, but you got to carve up. <laughs> yeah, with fettuccine Alfredo, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. said, I think there's a line, and I always miss it, but I saw it on a meme. Where it's like, yeah, I carved up and, and drank as little water as possible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I never, I don't think I've ever heard that little water as possible line, but I saw it in a meme. Oh, it was great. Yeah, dude, that's one of the best episodes of him just, and like, he's running. He's like, I've never felt lighter. I've never felt greater. And then two minutes later, he's like throwing up. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your favorite show? Um, No, nah, I mean, it's it's up there. But like, my favorite show overall, I'd say like Married with Children or like uh, the Drew Carey show when that was on. That was, I like, think that's so underrated. Yeah, it is that or like the Norm Macdonald show when he had it for like a couple. Never seasons. saw it. It was good. It was. I mean, it's Norm Macdonald, so it's like if you like his comedy, you know, you, you'll like the show. Um, the Jessel Neck Offensive, of course, was a good That's one. Good. Uh, let's see, uh, I mean, those are just stupid comedy ones, I guess. But like, if I had to choose overall, I mean, the show Banshee is great. That's I've I'll never heard of that one. That one's basically. So, did you ever see the Boys? The one on Amazon TV? No. The Boys is a new show. It's off a comic book, but basically, it's like these guys are like following superheroes. But the superheroes are actual terrible people. But to the public, they look good. And um, these guys are like basically following them around to like punish them and kind of like keep them in line. Well, one of the characters from that is the lead character in Banshee. And uh, so Banshee has uh, there's people you've recognized before, but they're not like famous, famous. The main guy, basically, it starts off with him just getting out of jail, like right off the bat. You know nothing about him. He's just walking out of jail. And you're like, all right. And then he goes to New York City to go find his friend. His friend gives him like a fake credit card, you know, all the information that he needs. And then he walks out to his car and all of a sudden he's getting shot at, like right in the middle of a New York City street. And it's like, oh, okay, what's going on? So then he drives, he got information from his friend to find out where his ex was in like the middle of Pennsylvania or some shit like that. So he goes and he's sitting at a bar in this little town and it's him and the new town sheriff and the bartender. This is all within the first like 15 minutes of the show. It's him the new town sheriff and the bartender and the new town sheriff's like, yeah, I start tomorrow. No one knows who I am. Da, 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 crap like that. These two guys come and try to rob the bar. They have a shootout between the new town sheriff and the two guys. Those three guys die. So then you have the convict and the bartender and the convict's basically like, I'm going to take his identity. And the convict becomes the town sheriff. And like, he starts like doing like all this crazy shit in the town and stuff. It's actually like pretty fucking awesome. Like starts off like Grand Theft Auto 3. Oh, it, it basically is Grand Theft Auto the ends whole time. Ends like Blazing Saddles. Pretty much, yeah. It's it's insane the whole show. Who'd you watch comedian wise growing up? I mean, um, I, I'm assuming it's it's Jeselnik and my growing Jeselnik, up. Like, uh, Jim Andrew Jeffries. Andrew was okay. He was kind of hacky for me. Like his stand up was kind of hacky. Like his show was good, but his stand up was kind of hacky. I mean, growing up wise, I didn't watch a lot of comedy growing up per se. I would say like you know when I hit my twenties is when I really got into it, and then I would say you know Jim Jeffries, Burr. Well, it's, yeah, Jesselneck. Jimmy Carr is one of my favorites. Shit, I don't know. There's a bunch now I can't think of, of course. Now I'm like trying to think of all these people. Uh, Jim Brewer, I love just because of his storytelling. He was so good. Yeah, I love Brewer. Trying to th- There's a few others that like I'd have to see, but like just I can't think off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah. I had a chance to see Jim Brewer live in Binghamton and my buddy uh, Lunchbox, because we all have a buddy named Lunchbox. Of course. He, uh, we were supposed to pick up his girlfriend, and then she was late and decided she didn't want to go. So by the time we got to Binghamton University, they were sold out. Oh, Jesus. So it's like, so, yeah, yeah, man, go for it. And, and the <laughs> great thing was he broke up with her soon after that. So I got to see – I didn't get to see Jim Brewer, and he didn't have a girlfriend. So it was perfect. <laughs> yeah, it seems like everyone's losing girlfriends these days. <laughs> That's, you know. Well, how long are you dating your girlfriend? Uh, we were together – Pretty much a year and a half, year, uh, a little less than a year and a half. 
give or take. But like, she was cool, you know, fun stuff like that. And then um, went to Vietnam with her in October, which was kind of cool. Met dad, did all that stuff. Nice. And then, uh, yeah, just uh, didn't work out, needless to say. So, did you write any material and do it on stage about that? Uh, no. Well, okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm probably gonna get in trouble for this one. So there was. <laughs> There was one venue, there was one, so I'd say we get back from Vietnam and then we broke up and I was just like angry and uh, I got booked on a show and the guy's like, come out and do the show. I was like, I'm not really in the mood. I don't really want to even leave my room. And he's like, no, 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 come out to the show. I was like, all right, I'll do the show. And uh, I walk in and he's like, you look angry. I go, yeah, where's the mic? He goes, show's not starting for another hour. I go, no, give me the mic now. I'm ready to fucking go. And he's like, no, no, just calm down, calm down. He's like, your feature. And he goes, I need 20 to 25. And he goes, if you do 30, that's fine. I think I did the first 15 minutes of how angry and how shitty my life was for the past, like, and it was all just material off the top of my head, just right there. And I just was like, yeah, I don't care. Let's just do How'd it go. Surprisingly really well. Okay. All right. <laughs> but like, yeah, so we did that. And then, uh, then I went into my material. And then of course, after the show, everyone was like, did that really happen? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yep, it did. I was like, like two weeks ago. Yeah, it all happened. So do you ever see sleepwalk with me? No, it's Birbiglia's movie. Okay. It's about him going like, trying to like he tours real early you know he gets a, he gets an agent and they just send him at college gigs and bar shows and he kind of struggles a whole lot like he's doing stupid jokes that nobody really likes yeah. and then he just gets into like this personal thing with his girlfriend and mark Marin, you know he plays a character in there but he's like dude you should do that and he goes yeah but my girlfriend's not gonna like that he goes is your girlfriend here well no <laughs> it fucking doesn't matter and like, as soon as he started telling personal stories and personal jokes, he just got this following. Yeah. So I think people kind of gravitate toward that. Oh yeah. They, they gravitate to the stuff that's relatable and crap, but like nobody wants to hear how like, you know, I bought a ring and still nothing. You know what I mean? So it's like, eh, it's more of like, I'll get, I'll, I'll make the funny out of it eventually. But right now I'm just kind of like the, on it. do you still have the ring? Uh, no, no, I don't. You didn't give it to her. Did you? No, no. So, okay. Did you take it back? Never saw it. No, uh, well, so it was uh, custom made, and oh, like geez. the guy was the guy was working on it. So like I never even got to see the finished product. So did you have to pay for it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, son of a bitch. Oh yeah. Yep. Oh, yep. God, I'm sorry. It's life. It happens. Like I said, she's cool. Is what it is. You know. So how was Vietnam? Uh, Vietnam was fun. It was uh, a little crazy, but crazy in a good way. It wasn't like crazy like how you would think Vietnam is, but it was just it was crazy because it was like nonstop moving. Which was fine. Like, you know, basically the second we landed was like, okay, we got to do this. We got to do that. We got to do this. We got to do that. So like, we got to see a lot of stuff in the country and the country was beautiful, but like, it was a very big culture difference. Like, you know, but it was still cool. Like it was, um, I'm one of the people like when it's like 90 plus degrees weather, I'm like happy. So like when it's hot and sticky, I'm like, this is great. This is my kind of weather. So I don't know why I live in New York. I just go down to Florida and be a hacky comic and just live in Orlando or something. You should go there now. I think the beaches are open. Yeah, exactly. Well, at this point, Florida are my people at this point. So go, <laughs> go Gators. But, well, dude, uh, you, yeah. How'd you, how'd you become a Gators fan? <laughs> so that started in like the mid-90s with Spurrier and like Danny Wolferall and uh, Shane Matthews and all that. You're just like so, strong men in cowboy hats? No. So what happened was uh, I did start following the Cowboys because when I was like five. Everybody I was five, yeah, I was five in 93. So like basically, uh, you know, they won. So I was like, I guess I'm a Cowboys fan. 
and I've stuck with them and I fucking hate them. Like this, at this point I hate being a Cowboys fan, but um, now the Gators just kind of, I like Spurrier's offense and they're scoring a lot of points. And so I just started following them. And then like, basically ever since then I started getting more and more obsessed with them to where it's like half my wardrobe is Gators. The hat I'm wearing now is a Gators hat. Like it's, if there is a season, I'm going to at least two games this year. It's just kind of like, who knows, man? It's, it's, it's interesting. We had the great white hope, AKA Tim Tebow, you know? So that was a fun, oh, that, that was a fun four years. But also, of course, you had the great Aaron Hernandez, too. So you get the best of both worlds in, in Florida world. Yeah. Hey, both of them were very prolific. Very, yes. They both are literally the opposite sides of the spectrum, and we had everything in between. You know, I, I liked Tebow when he was a backup. Was it to Warfel? No, he was a backup to Chris Leak. His, technically, his freshman year, he was still used. It was like the dual quarterback thing. Yeah. But he was basically the guy, okay, he's in it. He's running it. Like, that's literally what his job was. Like, yeah, direct, I, I direct snap, he's running it. I liked him then, and then when he got all this hype, especially when he got to the NFL, when oh, yeah. there was like an all-out media blitz on him, I got so sick of it. And now he's in the fucking minor league system with the Mets. Yeah. I'm a Mets I, fan. I, I felt like, bad just, for him. Because he couldn't control a lot of it. Yeah, exactly. That was the thing that I felt bad for. It wasn't the fact that, like, you know, hey, you know, he has a media circus. He's been since literally he was 18. But, like, it was the fact that, like, any team he goes to, no matter what, when the starter screws up, they're going to be like, put him in, put him in, put him in. Yeah. So it's like he didn't get a fair shot in that situation wise. But like well, he I, did I also need to work on his mechanics a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. He probably should have been a tight end. Oh, easily. Yeah. He'd, he'd probably still be, be playing. Like, I say, yeah, he'd still be playing. I think I lost so much more respect for ESPN than anybody else. Because at the time I was still watching ESPN and I was a sports writer. So like I'm trying to stay in touch with the NFL and whatever they're doing the coverage wise. And I just got, it was first take. They, all they talked about was him. And, and when SportsCenter relocated its mobile unit to Cortland, New York for the Jets. (laughs) Ah, yeah. And I was like, what are you doing? And it was like, you lost all journalistic respect. Like I couldn't do it. Just for that. Yeah. Yeah. Just for that. And it was like, and he was going to be a backup. Like, like they knew he was going to be a backup. So what the, what was the point? Like I said, like it's one of those things. It's the same reason. uh, What's his face isn't signed Kaepernick It's as a backup. Because it's creating more of a shitstorm than it would be for him not be on the team. Because think about it. The second you sign him, it's going to be, okay, now he's on the team. So there's 10 times more media publicity on your team. And now the next thing is, okay, when is he playing? Not, he's not good enough to play. It's just, no, when is he playing? Like, that's literally the whole thing. That was Tebow's whole thing. It's like, okay, when's he playing? And there's a reason he's not playing. It's like, but it's not because he can't play. It's that you don't want him to play. And it's like, no, it's not a conspiracy. It's not the dude just isn't as good as Brett Favre. Like, even if Tebow was with Brett Favre, they'd have been like, "Oh, I don't know, Favre's getting old." Like, yeah, he's still fucking Brett Favre. Yeah, exactly. And Favre, the thing is, though, Favre wasn't a media circus. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, he was. Towards he came the end. back from retirement. He was, yeah, but he came, yeah. But at that point, the Vikings and the Jets were like, "We want him." So they yeah, didn't who care. cares? They got him in part because of that. Exactly. So at that point, it was like, yeah. You think of all the starters and stuff like that. Like, who's the media starter right now? Like, quarterback wise. I mean, Brady was the talk of the all offseason. But other than that, like, there really isn't. You know what I mean? No, not really. Like, Dak Prescott. Like, Ugh, once he's signed, yeah. he's not a story anymore. Exactly. And now, like, I, that's a fucking different situation. All in itself, being a Cowboys fan. How Sorry, much? I'll, oh, fucking, I'll stay away from the Cowboys. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's just I don't. I don't see him. He's not worth what he wants. Like he's, he's not, he's not worth anything near what he wants. So he wants like 40 a year. And it's like, dude, like you're worth maybe half that. Yeah. Like if he gives, if he gives 25% to his running back, I could see it. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Like he's shown that like, they're like, oh, Dak had a record for him, like passing yards. It's like, okay, 
look how many drops he had and it wasn't his receiver's fault or how many missed throws he had or how many sacks he took or anything you know what I mean just stupid plays that he did and it's just like there were so many times and look at his record against winning teams I think he's won like two games against winning teams his whole career (laughs) and it's like dude that's not fits in really well with the Cowboys yeah exactly yeah (laughs) we're picking well at that number 12 to 17 pick every year (laughs) (laughs) have you had any luck uh taking sports into comedy a little bit because like when I was younger I coached football so like there's a lot of jokes that I can take from there the problem is it's also like kind of a pain in the ass too though because you'll get the crowd that's like oh we don't like sports and you're like of course I'm in the one town that doesn't like sports Albany doesn't like well you get no pro sports really exactly when we have we had an arena football team for a year and then uh, we had a hockey team for a couple years like and that was like a d3 river rats game so it was kind of like you know nothing crazy anytime a sports team comes around here the first couple weeks it's sold out and then after that there's nothing it's the simplest thing in the world i always thought albany was a lot bigger than binghamton and it really isn't that big that's not the thing that makes it bigger is because of the fact that we have troy right up the road and then we have like you know like other little cities basically crammed next to it so it makes it look like it's bigger than it is how's the scene the comedy scene Uh, it's all right i mean uh it's dying in a way but uh no i mean it's i hate to say it's not as good as it used to be the reason why is because like there's a few comics that i've talked to about this and like i'm not gonna say their names because i don't want them involved i don't really care about me it's uh, exactly it's, <laughs> looks like my mom's on this conference uh, so, no it's, it's uh, the beard. yeah exactly. <laughs> i shaved my i shaved my quarantine beard actually it's nice it's great man i know right yeah uh so basically um so when i came into the scene these are the comics that all came in around the same time you had me you had Jarrett. You had Cody Montaigne, you had Quentin Davis, you had uh, a couple other people that all came in around this time. And then the next level were the guys that are like featuring at the clubs and doing all that stuff. But the thing is, when we came in, they flat out were basically telling us that we suck. Like they wouldn't acknowledge us at all and stuff like that. So it forced us to do one of two things, either A, okay, this isn't for me and I'm not going to do it. Or B, it forced you to get better because you're like, all right, they'll acknowledge me if I'm funny at least, you know? So it's like, I need to learn how to get funny. Now with the new scene, everyone wants to be friends and everyone's like, oh, you're doing a great job. And it's like, no, you just fucking bombed for five minutes and told some of the worst jokes I've ever fucking heard. Like, you should rethink your life choices. Like, like, <laughs> like cause like, I couldn't tell you how many times I went home after open mics of just being like, why the fuck am I doing this? Like, that was terrible. And like, these kids are all just like supportive of each other. And it's like, yes, you need to be supportive in a way. But there's a difference between being supportive, like like going to your shows and, you know, helping somebody out compared to someone literally going up on stage and bombing for five minutes and then five people telling them how great they were. Like, that's not going to enabling. You're not going to make anything better in that situation. And there's a lot of that starting up. Well, not starting. There's a lot of that going on around here. And like, that's the shitty thing, like, because there's still really good comics like around here and stuff. And the thing is, it's like there's a club around here that's like it's there's two different levels now. There's the levels of like hosting, featuring and people that I can book compared to people that have been doing comedy for like three, four years that she's that like, they're just like, yeah, I still won't, you know what I mean? Like still won't book that person, like girl or guy still won't book that person. You book a lot of local talent. I try to. How do you prioritize that? Because like you're obviously booking shows. Let's just go with the Albany rooms. You're booking Albany shows. Do you make it a, a priority to have at least like one or two Albany people on there? Or do you oh, think yeah. you like, about that? I mean, I try to like, cause I mean, they're the ones that are really going to bring in the people unless like, you know, you bring in a name, but like for the local small Albany shows, you're not bringing, I'm not bringing in a fucking name for that. So like, I'll do it the same way that it happened with me. Like I didn't get a show until maybe six, seven months in. And even then I was like, I don't feel like I deserve this. Yeah. 
like, and I even at this point, I'm like, you sure you want to book me? I'm like, I'm not that good. But no, there's, I'll do it to where like, I'll find one, maybe two, like newish people, not new as in like they just started, but new as in like they're six, seven months in, they maybe had one little small showcase or something. I'll throw them on there. And then I'll find a pretty decent headliner, like around the area that I can get. And then at that point, it's kind of like, all right, I'll either throw someone else in there, like a cleanup, kind of like a good feature. Because what I'll do is I'll put like, you know, I'll I'll go up first, and then I'll put one of the new people and then I'll put that feature guy and then I'll put the new person in the headliner kind of thing like that. So it's like, even if one of those people bomb, the next person is going to carry it up no matter what. So it's like I have a I have a pretty set uh regular how i do it like I, I don't book more than five if someone's in the area that texts me it's like hey i'm in the area you have a show tonight can i jump on it's like yeah that's fine i'll throw you on but like usually it's like i try to book mostly locals i do try to get a one out of town people if you've noticed with my flyers lately there's usually like three locals that you've heard of and then one person you've never heard of and you're like oh that's that's the out-of-towner so it's like i, I have like a list of out-of-towners which uh you know you're on that don't worry but I can't book shows right now. And um, that's what everybody's excuse is. Oh, I was going to book you, but we got a pandemic. Well, so <laughs> I'll wait for the next pandemic. Um, then I'll ask you. Yeah, exactly. That's fine. <laughs> wait, ask me a month before it. I'll book you on every show. <laughs> You're like my whole month of January's booked, but I can't go outside. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and no, I try to do it like that. And then like, there's certain shows that like they sell themselves. So yeah. like, I don't have to worry. I'm not going to throw a new person on that one. That one, I'm going to throw like three solid, just top to bottom comics on there. So like I'll go up, I'll host for like five, 10 minutes. And then the first person coming up is going to kill for 10 to 15. The next person is going to kill for 20. And the next headliner is going to kill for 45. And it's just bam, 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 bam. So it's like, it depends on the show and the venue of like who I'm going to book and how I'm going to book them. You know? Yeah. I like going with four comedians. And if I have a strong headliner who can go 30, 45 an hour, whatever, that's one of the only things that'll give me flexibility to throw a relatively unpolished person on the show. If I know I can make up for what you might not bring to the table, yeah. then I'm good. I'm comfortable with that. I try to give uh, newer people you know, opportunities, but sometimes it's just you can't do it. Yeah. And there's, there's some new people that I'm always like, okay, what do you have? Like, I'll ask them. I'm like, so what do you feel comfortable with? And they'll be like, you know, I got like eight to 12. And I'm like, okay, so you have five. <laughs> and, right. Uh, because... There's yeah. a pretty good chance nobody's going to laugh at something and you're going to speed up. Exactly. So it's like, okay, so you have five. Basically, it's going to be one of those things that's like, okay, with a new person, even if they bomb for five minutes, I have done this long enough to where I can bring it back up hosting wise. If not, if they do well, I know the rule. Don't go up there and do another five minutes and kill the show. You bring the next comic up right away. There's still some hosts in the area that need to learn that, but that's, you know, neither here nor there. How do you tell them that? <laughs> or do you? I've gotten to the point now to where it's like, I'm not going to be the police. You know what I mean? Like if you can't take that step back and realize you're not getting booked and like nobody really wants to talk to you except your friends in comedy. Yeah, I just, I don't know if it's a video or not, but it's did the air quotes. But, uh, <laughs> I appreciated it. Yeah. Thanks. But uh, it's like, I'm not here to be the police. I'm just like, I'm more just like, there's things that annoy me and I'll fucking call people out on it. Like people stealing venues or something like that, which, you know, I've had that recently happen to me. But other than that, it's pretty much, uh, like I said, it's you can tell because it's like the only shows they're getting is their buddy's show that they're putting on. You know what I mean? It's like every week, it's like, oh, I got my buddy's show. Okay. How much did you get paid? Oh, six bucks in a bar that shouldn't be doing comedy. Okay. All right. Cool. Do your thing. That's up. You're doing it next week, too. All right. Cool. New material? Oh, new material. You never tested out. Even yeah. better. So you and I are both hosts and, and we're producing the show. So I guess I'll make an exception for us, but I don't understand how people like are booked on the same show week after week after week yeah like, what do like you that. 
I'd feel yeah. pressure to bring a different 15 to the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do it on the shows. Like, for example, like the Arsenal one, which, like I said, it's a small room. It's only 40 people. That one, I'll do a quick five minutes. You know what I mean? I won't do more than that. Every now and then, I might do a few more if I have some friends in the audience or something. But it's like, I'll do a quick five minutes, get in, get out, and bring up the actual comics that people came to see. Yeah. If it's a big show and I'm like, all right, I want to work some stuff. I want to do this. Then I'll do like 10 minutes. You know, it just depends on the show. It depends on the venue. It depends on what I'm doing. But also, you know, as a host, don't blow your wad right in the beginning because you never know if you're going to have to save the show too. Yep. So keep like, you know, five minutes somewhere. Not straight five minutes, but keep at least five minutes worth of stuff somewhere in your back pocket just in case. Yeah, I've always got like a, a line where I can go out on and I'm like, I've got that in my back pocket and hopefully I never have to use it. But like <laughs> yeah. it's there. Oh yeah, we all we all got it now at this point. And it's just because, like yeah, because I, I know like like the last thing I want to do as a host is send up somebody else to a dead room. Yeah, that's, so that's I can end on if my set doesn't go completely as well as I wanted it to, but if I get the laugh at the last, I'm like fine. Exactly. Cool, and you can read that laugh too. Like we're we're both been in it long enough to where like you can read it to where you're like, Okay, I just got that laugh and you know you're not gonna get it again. Boom, just end it. Just be like, all right, well, all right, I don't, you know, bring up next con-. Even if you're like, I got a better punchline in your head, but you know you're not going to get a better laugh. It's I like, think, just. I think the worst feelings I've ever had is when I gambled and lost. It's like, <laughs> oh, I, I had a great laugh. I'm like, let me go for one more tag. Fuck. It's when you want to keep going. Yeah, it's when you want to keep going. That's the problem. And it's like, I, I've had that with hecklers too, where I'm just like, okay, I've destroyed this guy, but I got another great one in the pocket. But I'm like, nope, don't do it. Don't do it. But then like, there's a few nights I drank too much and I'm like, ah, just fucking do it. See what happens. So, <laughs> What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. Just the audience turns on you. Oh yeah. That's not going to kill you. Yeah, so. It's not like you killed the show. Oh yeah, wait. Exactly. Oh wait. I did as the host. Yeah. Even better. We're starting off. And you have to go back. Yep. Every night I had one of those, uh, recently I had a guy who just, you know, every joke has a comment and I'm just like, and me, I don't like attack the crowd. That's not my thing. But like, if you heckle me, I will come after you. Like that is my mind. My mindset is like, if you don't heckle me, you won't hear from me. But if you heckle me, I will fucking destroy you. And this fucking douchebag from the South, because he had a Southern accent and he's sitting there, he's like in the second row and he's just like, yeah, every joke I made, he's like, yeah, I get that. Yeah, that didn't happen. Oh, maybe that could happen. You know, just stuff like that. And finally, I was just like, sir, I was like, have you ever been to a comedy show before? He's like, yeah. I go, you ever been kicked out? He's like, yeah. I go. Do you see a common trend here? <laughs> I go, because I was like, because it's about to happen again. <laughs> and like, you know, people were kind of laughing and kind of getting back. But then like he tried playing with me. He's like, what? I'm just trying to make the show funny. I go, no, you're making the show worse. And not just with your jokes, but with your appearance too. <laughs> and um, and right there, you know, half the audience laugh. The other half is like, oh, no, he's going to make a fat joke. And then me, of course, I'm like, I'm two vodka sodas deep. Let's just fucking do it again. <laughs> and uh, just went Are after that one. Yeah, exactly. I just fucking went nuts on him. I know you were promoting it for a long time, but were you able to do that Calcanine show? Yeah, that was the last show I did. How'd it go? It was good, uh, minus the technical difficulties that we had. The soundboard or the light board cut out halfway through Kyle's set, and we're just like, oh, fuck. So, like, the lights started, like, twitching and shit. Thankfully, he was a professional, and, like, he handled it well. And, like, we had to get to the point where we had someone hold on the button. We had to have someone literally sit behind the board and just hold down the button for 45 minutes just to make sure that the lights wouldn't twitch or anything like that. And yeah, dude, it was the light board basically just fizzled out because the second he got off stage, we took our finger off and then we turned, we unplugged the lights for the stage and the lights were still on and everything like that. And we're just like, okay, something's going on. We're not touching that. 
But no, the show was good. He went up and killed for an hour and 20 minutes, I think, give or take. No so, shit. Oh, yeah, dude. He's fucking good. I'm hopefully working with him again in December if this shit works out. We'll see. But how'd you land him? I know someone that knows his agent. So like I just was and it turns out he was a he had an off date in between Vermont and Rhode Island. And I'm like, well, New York isn't that far. I was like, let's get him in. I emailed his agent. I was talking to him. I was like, hey, da, 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 this person referred me. And uh, he's like, all right, well, how much are you going to offer? I was like, well, what's his going rate first? Yeah. And uh, I was like, I'm not giving you a flat rate until you tell me what he's going for. And he told me what he was going for. I was like, oh, that's not bad. I can make I can make a lot of money off that. So uh, I did. You know, We booked him. We locked it in. And basically, yeah, we sold out. Uh, I think uh, like the month before, we only had like 10 seats left, give or take. Yeah. So like it wasn't bad. And then we sold out like day of because it was like one random seat kind of thing. But it wasn't, it was, like I said, a great show. I was actually more nervous because he was watching my set. And I'm like, fuck, this is a guy, like, I love. And, like, I was like, this is not good. <laughs> what, did, he, did he say anything about your set? Oh, yeah. He's like, I got off stage. And then Andy was on stage. So I got off stage and I started talking to him for a minute. And he's like, does airlines thing really happen? He goes, yeah. He goes, holy shit, that's fucking great. And I was I'm, like. I'm taking yeah. that for my next Netflix special. Yeah. I was like, Jesus. Yeah. And he's like, he goes, I didn't know that shit happened. I go, oh, yeah, it does. All that stuff happens. That's awesome. Congrats. Yeah. And he was like one of the most laid back, cool dudes in the world, too. Like I was like, I was expecting, you know, they say don't meet your heroes and shit. Yeah. I was like, just don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Like that was my mindset. And the second I met him all the way to the second he left, was like one of the coolest dudes I ever met. So That's awesome, man. Yeah, he was a good dude. He drink a lot then or no? Oh, uh, yeah. He, he killed easily a 12-rack just talking to us. And I wasn't drinking during that time, too. And I was like, fuck, I should be drinking. And like he found, he was like, oh, so you're off the wagon. I was like, yeah, for a little bit. And he's like, oh, because I was going to ask if you wanted to get a beer after this. And I was like, shit. <laughs> I was so like, why weren't you drinking? Uh, I just wanted to take a break. I was getting drunk and then texting the ex, you know, things. And Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, being usually that goes well. Uh, yeah, usually no. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, nah, I just I took a break for a little while. It was just it was turning into a problem, and um, I wanted to take a break. And like I said, I was in a little depressive state, so it was just kind of like alcohol didn't help. So no, it's a depressant. Yeah, I figured two depressants may you know counteract and <laughs> yeah, make, yeah, make a, a non depressant. Yeah, isn't that how that works? <laughs> uh, we talked a whole lot over when you were touring with Eric Solhansky. Yeah, fucking rabbit. Yeah, yeah, rabbit. You, was it the same same situation? Like you just knew his agent? Well, I knew uh, Eric's. Yeah, I knew Tom yeah. a while. So like that just kind of worked out to where like he was like, yeah, let's set this up, let's do this, you know. And I still talk to Tom all the time. So it's just kind of like Tom's trying to sell me stuff, and I'm just like, eh, well, maybe. <laughs> and, uh, we'll see what's going on. I was like, I have no venues right now because of all this crap. But I go, but once it's all lined up, we'll talk. But we're well, um, trying to tell you stuff now. Yeah, and I'm Dude. like, Tom, I was like, I can't do shit. So he's he's based out of Vegas. He's going to do casino shows like next week. Yeah, if they open up. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Tom's a hustler, man. He's a good dude, but he's a hustler. I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying no, like, no, he, he, he works. Yeah. So basically, yeah, through the Tom thing, then through the that's how we got in connected with Eric and all that. And I still remember like the first time I met Eric, it was just like because he didn't look. Like, so I was walking out of the hotel room and this was after like a day of hell of traveling. This is in Detroit. And I was hung over as shit because I started drinking in the Albany airport. And I was in the Albany airport for four hours. Then I was in the Baltimore airport for eight hours. And I just drank that whole time. So I was in fine form when I got to Detroit. So I met him the next morning and he's like, hey, and I was like, what's going on? And um, it, it took me like about a minute to get rid of the starstruck kind of thing. So I was like, all right, yeah, you're in a movie kind of stuff like that. And then after that, he was, you know, pretty cool, laid back. And then. Him and I became pretty cool. What was that tour like? Um, 
Let's see. It was, it was less than what, two or three weeks? It was uh, two weeks. Yeah, it was uh, two weeks of just mayhem. Like it was fun, but like the first couple days I treated it like a job. Like it was like my job because I was like, you know, I was opener. I was also like merch guy, but I also had to make sure everything was set up every venue we went to. So like everything, I was constantly running around doing stuff. And then Eric kind of pulled me aside and was like, you're not having any fun. I was like, no, I am. You know, I'm, you know, I'm just working. And he's like, let's have some fun. And then it just kind of switched. And like, it just got to the point to where then I was like having fun every night and stuff. And uh, I won't say what happened, but some fun things have happened on that tour. I'll just, I'll say some interesting things. Uh, Niagara Falls was a good time. Uh, Toronto was a beautiful time. Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting, interesting tour. Like I would do it again, but I, I don't know if I would do it for 13 days straight of just it was literally just a show and drive, show, drive, show, drive. But every show was an open bar. So we're like, all right, I guess we're drinking. I guess we're doing this. I guess we're doing this. I guess we're doing this. So and then like it was funny. So when we did the Binghamton show, we were staying at that hotel, which is basically right across the street. Yeah, that sketchy town hall thing. And me and Alan went back there and started doing ghost hunting because we were down in the basement at this place. Like actual looking like we for drunk. ghosts? Yeah, like we were okay. that level of drunk. Dude, that was the sketchiest hotel I've ever seen because like it was dusty. It looked like it was famous in the 1920s. And like the basement was just the scariest, sketchiest thing in the world. So me and, Ta- or me and Alan are just walking around trying to find this place. And then nobody was working. It was the sketchiest thing at all because nobody was working there. So we're like, uh, okay. And Lay's like, yeah, I leave at five. So if you have any issues, just call this number. I'm like, uh. Was it the front desk number or her actual cell number? I don't know. They just said that they were redoing the place. Like they were just turning it into a hotel. They only had like six, seven rooms available. So like we were in those rooms pretty much. Just in case a super trooper happens to come into town. Yeah, pretty much. And it was, like I said, it was like an old, I think it was the old town hall or something. They turned into a hotel and um, it was just the sketchiest, scariest thing in the world. Cause it's like, thank God I was drunk to help me fall asleep because otherwise like I would have been up all night. <laughs> the other thing I want to ask you about, was it last year you won the, the comedy death match? Yeah. That, you know that thing. Yeah. yeah. What's the format? Somebody told me that before. Well, the year before was a different format. The year oh, okay. before was like, so the year before I lost in the last round, but I came in in the first round. So the first round is three people. They go up and you just start trying to make the audience laugh in 30 seconds. So like, and the thing is, you're up there. I was up there with two other good comics in the beginning. So we're just going up, making the audience, just going back and forth. And we were on the stage for like 45 minutes before someone got eliminated. And I'm like, oh, half my, I'm like, half my jokes are gone. And then they bring a new person on. Then they bring a new person on. Then they, you know, until vice versa. And then finally, the last person who comes on is my buddy James, who is a very funny comic. And I'm just exhausted because I've been on stage for an hour and a half now at this point. And I'm just like, <sighs> I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. And um, he went up and he beat me because I just, I'd had nothing. I literally was going into the mic. I'm like, stop laughing so I can get off stage so James can win. And somebody would laugh. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, and then the second year they changed it up. So they did it where it was in brackets. So there was like, because there was like 16 or 20 people that signed up. So there was brackets four that would go up on stage, four or five, I forget. And then if you won that bracket, you just moved on. So you didn't have to go against every single person because that would have been all night. That would have been did like everybody a, get 30 seconds still. Uh, yeah, everyone gets 30 seconds to make the person laugh. So like, if, let's say, for example, it's me, you and let's say some other person. Yeah. that person goes up and he makes somebody laugh okay so he goes back and then you go up you make someone laugh you go back and then i go up and in 30 seconds nobody laughs i'm eliminated so then it's just you and that other person i got you yeah and then yeah whoever wins out of you and the other person moves on kind of thing and then another group of four or five will come up 
and they'll do the same thing. And then if it gets to the finals kind of and thing. And you like get that. like 20 minutes or so to relax. And uh, then yeah. Back. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I pretty much was like, okay. Cause after the first one, the first one, first bracket I was in wasn't, I don't mean it's in a bad way, but it was like, I think she helped me out. She basically was like, I felt bad for what happened to you last year. That's how it should be. Yeah. So she's like, I put you in with like four new people. I was like, all right, cool. And like basically went up in the first bracket. We got done with pretty quick. So I had time to kind of relax and go up. And then and then this year, she asked me again to do it this year. And I was like, nah, I was like, I'd rather judge it this year. You know what I mean? I was like, it's just, uh, it's like, I'll help you out and judge it. But I was like, I don't really want to do it like again this year. It's just it wouldn't be fair, I guess, in my mindset. Did they have it this year or was that wiped out? Uh, they were supposed to. They were supposed to have it in April. But like, obviously, yeah, I got the notification on my phone. That, you know, oh, you got an event coming. It's like, oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, I forgot to delete all those out of my calendar. So yeah, that- I'll have a good day. And then it's at 7.50 on a Thursday, I'll be reminded where I was supposed to be. And I'm like, oh, yep. shit. Yeah, I, I got a bunch of those. And I'm just like, oh, this is the saddest thing in the world right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I got two more next weekend. So that's fine. Yep. Yeah, I have, uh, I'm supposed to have two next weekend, I think. Yeah, two next weekend. And then a really big one the weekend after, which is canceled. So I'm like, great. <laughs> I feel horrible for everybody who's losing money. Yep. And it's like, it sucks. But like, the thing that's going to suck the most out of this situation is the fact that now every single person is going to think, oh, I should put on a comedy show now. And it's you're going to get all the shit shows coming on too. So there's going to be like, I guarantee the first two weeks, there's going to be like 10 different shows. And it's going to it's gonna be so shitty. Yeah, but all you got to do is wait it out. You know, if you're still standing in three or four months, then you're fine. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not worried about that. But like, it's just... It's going to lessen the product. Yeah, it's more of like... Yeah, it's just annoying because like there's a lot of people around here that are putting on shows that shouldn't be. Like, I'm not going to name names, but like, they know who they are. Like, they know, they know. <laughs> I'm sure they all listen to this podcast. Oh, don't worry. I'll publicly, I think I'm friends with a few of them. I don't know. But like, it's like, you've been doing comedy for six months. You shouldn't be putting on shows. You should be learning how to do comedy. It's like, even now I'm putting on shows and I'm just like, I don't feel like I should. I had a very big concert venue. Uh, I'm not going to name their name, but it rhymes with Ethel Woods in Woodstock, oh, yeah? New York. Yeah. And they reached out to me about concerts or not concerts, but comedy shows. Comedy shows yeah. And it's like, Jesus, like, you really want to deal with me? Like, I'm at that level. I'm like, uh, okay. And they, you know, they told me who they would like to get and stuff. And I'm like, that's a lot of money. Like, that's a lot of fucking money. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So that's one of the venues that uh, I'll be working with. We can't do it during the summer because they do concerts. But like in the fall, that's when we'd start doing it. Are sure. they open air? No. So uh, they're an open air outside amphitheater, but they have an inside amphitheater. They have an inside oh, place. Oh, I didn't know that. It's like 400, 500. I was supposed and, to go to 311 show a couple years ago, and I... Oh, Bethelwood is a great yeah, venue. I had a show somewhere else. How far is that from you, from Binghamton? I think two I and a half hours. It's like two and a half from me in Albany, because it's like, there's not a straight shot there. Yeah. Like, you got to go, like, either to Kingston, and then through a whole bunch of backwoods, or you got to go all the way down to, like, Newburgh, and then bang a right and still drive another, like, 45 minutes. It sucks, because like, it's a great venue, but, like... Yeah, no. At this point, it's like either drive to Syracuse or drive to uh, Bethel because I hate going to SPAC. So, do you remember your worst show? Um, there's been a few. <laughs> I would say, uh, let's see, my worst one. You can go producer or as a comedian. Oh, I mean, there's both. I mean, producing wise, producing is usually okay. Like, usually it's like, all right, you get, you get like the one bad seed or something like that, and that's fine. I'm not too worried about that. My worst show, I'd say. So it was a benefit and I really so, didn't I'm gonna stop you. So many people have asked that question. They're like, yeah, it was a benefit. Oh yeah. Just, well, we should all just stop doing those. Well, that's the thing. Like they didn't tell me what the benefit was for. They just booked me as a, you know, 
a comic for 250 bucks to do 20 minutes worth of work. I'm like, yeah, I'm there. No. Exactly. It's like, I'm there. So I'm there. And they didn't tell me the benefit was for someone in a fucking wheelchair. Your first and, 10 minutes are about wheelchairs. Yeah, I wish. And I wish I was that good. But uh, no, they, uh, and then the guy tells me, you've probably dealt with this before. If someone tells you 30 seconds before you're about to go on stage, oh, by the way, don't do this. Yeah. That's the only thing in your head. And you're like, well, that's what I'm starting off with. And uh, the guy's like, oh, by the way, uh, no wheelchair jokes. And I'm like, well, I have a few, but I wasn't going to do them. And I'm like, all right. So first thing I did, I go up on stage and I was like, did you guys notice that? There's stairs. <laughs> I was like, all I know is the guests of honor definitely can't come on stage. <laughs> <laughs> that go? Uh, well, think of a room of about, think of a large banquet room and then think of zero laughs in that large banquet room. <laughs> I even got a gasp. I got a, what the fuck? I got a, it was that silent. I got one of those. So it was, it was interesting, <laughs> but, uh, I finished, you know, I just was like, all right. And I go, listen, it's only uphill from here, I think. And I did two more jokes and zero laughs. And I go, you guys really don't like me. I go, but here's the thing. I got paid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I went in full on. I got paid. I don't care mode. That's outstanding. Oh, yeah. There's been a few of those. That just, Did they ask you back? Uh, no. Nope. nope, nope. <laughs> but I don't think they've had any more benefits for him. So maybe he died. I don't know. Maybe he rolled away. I really don't know. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They couldn't find him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's in the ravine. Yeah, exactly. All you got to do is literally just put him in front of a curb. He's not getting anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> So do you think you're going to go to heaven or hell? Oh, well, if they do exist, uh, I'm already in hell. So really, I guess it'd be an upgrade. Um, I always tell people, I'm like, like, yeah, if I go to hell, that's fine. It's going to be a cool party. Doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, you know me, I like the heat. So it's like hell isn't going to freeze over for one person. And if it does, it's like, all right, cool. You're going to turn down the temperature for me. I guess I am that cool. So it's, only, it's really just an ego boost at that point. So it's either A, you're going to have it so hot that I'm just going to be like, eventually I'm going to go, you know what? All right, maybe it's a tad bit hot. But that or it's going to be like, you're going to turn down the thermostat and everyone's going to be like kind of cool. So everyone's going to love me in hell. It's either everyone's going to love me or I'm going to love it. You know, a super trooper and Kyle Kinane. How can they not love you? Yeah. And a million freaking wrestlers and other B-level celebrities. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Who's your favorite person you've ever booked? Um, Besides Kyle. So he's number one. It's a Kyle number one. Eric's up there because technically I did book him for one show on that tour. That's a good question. I would say... Shit, I don't know. I'd, I'd say Kyle probably, and then uh, Eric. I mean, there's a couple wrestlers that I've worked with, but like uh, I've worked with Jake the Snake, who's a douche. Um, he seems like it. Like uh, he's a douche. Yeah, uh, I see the documentary. Honky, yeah, Honky Tonk Man. He's a douche. Uh, he's a carny, but he's a douche. There's a few others just randoms that you're just like, ah, oh, all right, yeah, you are that guy. But like, I don't know. It, and then there's people that I've worked with compared to like booking wise, but like worked with, you know, there's people that are like cool shit. And then there's like people that I've booked that are like, most of the time, if I'm booking you, like you should be cool. Cause I like, I'm reaching out to you and stuff and I'm not going to reach out to a douchebag. So it's kind of like, all right. But if it's someone who could sell, then it's like, all right, I'll work with you. <laughs> do you think, uh, do you think being a comedian has helped you be a producer and the other way around? Uh, yeah. Cause like, because you probably know this too, like producing wise, you see the other side of the business. So like you see the two sides to it as an, okay, I'm a comic, I'm a clown for hire compared to I'm hiring that clown, but also I need to do this. I need to do that. Like the comics don't have to sit there and convince a uh, venue to give you money. You know what I mean? They don't have to sit there and convince a manager to be like, let's, let's stack in some more seats or let's help this person out or let's get this person a refund or, you know, let's do this. As a comic, you show up, you got your little notebook, you do your jokes and you leave and then wait or you leave to go get paid. 
as a producer, you're, I got to get there. I got to set up. I got to make sure everything's good. I got to make sure tickets are right. I got to make sure everyone bought. I got to make sure, you know what I mean? There's just so much shit you got to do down the checklist. I mean, granted, I have a checklist for myself for every show. And like, that's why my shows, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but it's like my shows run professionally because I have certain steps that I need to do. And if I don't hit those steps and it's like, all right, then I'm, what I'm, what's the difference between this and some shitty bar show with people just walking in, not paying, not paying attention, you know? Yeah. I was like, uh, if I'm producing the show, I like to host it because mm-hmm. I can kind of direct traffic. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that's, that's literally something that I don't think people really, if they don't produce it and do what I do, they don't understand. Granted, I don't like myself a whole lot, but there's not going to be somebody I don't trust hosting the show. Exactly. Like I think out of the hundreds of shows I've produced now by now, I think I've let maybe two people host because it's like people that I trust. And it's just like, hey, listen, I have a bit that I'm trying to work on. That's like 15 minutes. Just throw me in after you. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. But other than that, I usually host the whole thing. Do you feel like you get typecast as a host? Yes, I do. But like, I don't mind that in a bad way because it's constant work. You know what I mean? You need a host. So it's like at this point, and then like I know certain clubs know I can feature too. So they'll still book me for featuring. And then like certain people that I know that book shows can still book me for featuring. I'll never once say I'm headlining or feature level, but if they ask me to do it, I'll do it. I don't think I'm anywhere near a headliner. Like I've headlined some shows. I'm at the point now to where I'm a low level C feature. (laughs) That's my mindset. That's my mindset. The self-esteem issues. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm more realistic, I guess. I don't know. But it's like... But you get you a know, lot of work in the funny one, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, basically my home club now at this point. Um, How'd you get that? I know the booker, but also, like, I just... This is back in the day. I worked for it. Like, kids these days don't really know what that means. And by working for it, it means is I went to every mic that I could. I tried getting on every show that I could. Like, and then I just built my name through it. It got to the point to where, like, my name was recognizable. To where it's like, okay, if you've done a show in the area, you know who I am in that area. It's kind of like your area. You don't know all the open micers, you know what I mean? Like, But you know the people that are featuring, you know the people that are headlining because they've been putting in the work, they've been doing it. And then that's what kind of got me recognized. And it got to the point to where like, I mean, I guess by default, some of the comics also moved out of the area. So like, Which I guess helped. I'm, exactly, I moved up by default. It's like Homer Simpson, the two greatest words in the English language, default, default. Exactly, yep. So yeah, no, that's how I got that. And then, um, yeah, no, I work there regularly. Um, I'm back on uh, with them, I think, I don't know. We'll see, like, good good terms. I don't think I was ever really on bad terms, but I'm just saying, like, well, I was at one point, but we won't say that here. No, nah, basically... Oh, do a good job of uh, cycling through the hosts, like... Yeah, usually they... Uh, it's a pretty good rotation. Like, it's usually, like, if you're a local and you're good and you're not an asshole, you'll get picked up. It's kind of like, like I said, the booker there is very fair. Yes, they will have their favorites, but it's not favorites as in, like only these four people do it every single time. It's just, they're their favorites as in they're reliable. As in like, okay, the top four are going to get the text first if someone drops out. A huge part of getting booked is not being an asshole. Exactly. Like and you I could be an so asshole So many on, people yeah. forget about that. You could be an asshole on stage. If that's your persona, that's what you do, that's fine. You know what I mean? If it works, whatever. I have no issue. If you're making people laugh, of course. But off stage, you got to be fucking nice. And like, don't be wrong. Like, I can't. I do come off like an asshole, but it's also oh, yeah, like, without a doubt. I think everybody says that. Yeah, it's, I have no issues though. That's because it's like I am an asshole, but I'm also nice to the people that can help me. And I don't mean that in, in a bad way. It's just more of like I'm also not an asshole to people that I don't have a reason to be an asshole to. If someone you know does me wrong, then yeah, you're gonna see the asshole side of me. But if someone is cool with me and all that stuff, then you'll probably never see it. Like, you might see it on stage. You might see me like joking around. 
but like you'll never see me actually like try to like fucking shit on you or do anything bad like that per se if that makes sense right you've got to be american airlines or adele for that to come through. yeah exactly i have public celebrities to go after and attack no I, I i that's what bothers me like i'll have people say you know why don't i get booked it's like dude you don't one you don't come to open mics two you don't play well with others yeah. and you're you're a dick why would i want to work with you for two hours if i don't want to talk to you for five minutes it's not just the fact that you know hey you're going to be on stage it's like no we have to talk to you too we have to deal with like everything in general so it's like yeah the the on stage part at clubs is 15 minutes of you being there out of the two hours you're going to be there so the other hour and 45 minutes what are you doing you're gonna be a fucking asshole no they're not going to want to work with you i've had people just you know they do their set and then they get fucking trashed and it's yeah. like ruining the show for everybody else it's like well you, this is a team game like if you come into the, the venue at seven o'clock and you leave at 10 like behave for three hours Right. Exactly. And we're not saying don't drink or, you know, stuff like that. We're just saying, like, just don't be an asshole. It's not that hard. It's really not that hard. At 6.59 and 10.01, you could be an asshole. That's fine. But, like, in between those three hours, because, like, I've had it one time at a show. I had a comic show up, and he just started drinking, and I was like, whatever, that's fine, you know? Like, on the shows I produce, by the way, I don't drink. Like, I'll have, like, a beer yeah, at the end of the show, but I'm like, I don't, I don't drink. Shows that I'm just on, not oh, different story. I'll get fucked up from here to there. But, uh, he starts drinking and I'm like, all right, cool. And I was like, Hey, yeah, listen, you're going on after this person. And that's in like an hour because like, you know, by the time the show starts, by the time everything goes, it's like, you're probably not going on for another hour. This other person goes up and he's about to go on. So I go get him. I'm like, Hey, you ready? And his head is like down on the table, like passed out. And I'm like, are you taking a nap? And he's like, no, I'm just fucked up. And I'm like, what can you perform? He's like, I think so. And I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, I was like, it's a yes or a no. And he's like, uh, uh, I gotta go to the bathroom. So he just goes to the bathroom and throws up. So literally, I was like, all right, you want to play this fucking game? Because there was like 10 people in the audience out of an audience of 50 that were there for him. So wow. I go up, I go up there and I go, yeah, so this person, not going to say their name. I go, this person is in the bathroom throwing up. They're not feeling good. I go, but if they come out in time, you'll get to see them do comedy. I go, but right now I'm going to bring up this next comic. Thankfully, I had a comic on after him before the headliner. Yeah. So I brought that one on. And the kid gets out of the bathroom. I'm like, are you good? He goes, yeah, I think so. I go, all right. I go, you're doing five minutes. He goes, but I thought I had 15. I go, no, you're doing five. I go, you're doing five minutes. You go up, make the people that came to see you happy. And that's it. And he goes up, he does his five. And it was, just, it was a shitty five. Of course. And he comes, he sits back down. And before the headliner even gets announced, actually, no, the headliner got announced. I walk back to the table. He looks at me and he goes, so when can I get paid? Fuck off. <laughs> I literally go, nah, you can pay your bill. He goes, what, drinks aren't free? I go, nah, you can pay your bill. And um, I go, you being on the show is payment enough. <laughs> I was like, I'm not worried about not paying you. Oh, my God, that's funny. Yeah, I think I kicked him a 10. Because normally I pay my comics pretty well. Yeah. Like, I try, I try to do it to where it's like, even if the show goes bad or something happens, you can be like, yeah, he's kind of a dick. But I got paid well. You know what I mean? Did you book him again? Oh, hell no. I'll message you later on who that person is. I won't make it <laughs> public. Well, fuck that. We're done. I don't want to yeah. talk anymore. I want the answer. <laughs> i don't even think they're doing comedy anymore honestly well good and they might i don't know i think i just i felt bad when i booked them kind of thing well i'm gonna wrap up anyway but uh how can people follow along with your comedy uh they can go to travissteely.com i actually haven't updated that website in forever there's two travis Steely's in the world actually there's a fat one and then there's me so you can follow that on facebook uh instagram i got travis steely and twitter there's travis steely as well there's a new one don't worry so uh you can never get fat you know that right I know. I feel like history, I am. You box yourself into this unhappy life. I, pff, dude, well, a while ago. It's called depression and just growing up. Yeah. 
<laughs> I think the second I was born was instantly like, hey, you could be happy for like, what's that Ryan Reynolds quote? It's like, life is just a series of train wrecks with small commercial glimpses of happiness. <laughs> Perfect. I'm like, that is the best thing in the world. That guy, by the way, is he shouldn't be allowed to exist. Like, he's Who? perfect. Ryan Reynolds? Oh, dude, I'd marry him in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not so gay, Mary but Hill, I would be gay. I go all of them with him. I wouldn't kill him. I'd feel, I'd let him kill me. I'd feel bad. <laughs> oh, with his good looks. Exactly. I'd be like, you're adorable, Ryan. I can't do this. He's the perfect good looking, and then he's got the perfect level of sarcasm that women love. And it's yeah. like, God damn it. It's like, I'm so incredibly jealous of him. When somebody asks me who's the luckiest person in the world, I say Blake Lively. Yeah. Yeah, she got to have sex with him at least three times because they have three kids. At least. Oh, like she didn't want more. No, I know. Well, think about it. He got what? Scarlett Johansson. He got Blake Lively. He's probably gotten millions more. Like he can get anybody. Oh, yeah. Ryan Reynolds can literally get anybody. He, he's literally what Brad Pitt was of the 90s. But funnier. Oh, yeah. That's true. I mean, Brad Pitt's got his little moments. But yeah, Ryan Reynolds, hands down. Top 10. Like, best thing. <laughs> best thing ever. I like to end every podcast with a man crush. That's... I have, I have no issues with that because I'll sit here and pretty much just, you know, good thing the camera's not working because you can't see uh, the YouTube thing. What <laughs> Your I'm desk is behind. moving. Yeah, exactly, of what Ryan Reynolds and what I'm doing for him. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll tag him when I post this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, I appreciate your time. No worries, man. Uh, hopefully uh, this shit ends soon, because we can actually like see each other in real life and yeah, like actually do some funny ha-ha-ha things. <laughs> yeah, and until then, we'll just waste everybody's time. Yeah, pretty much. I have no issue with that. I'm like... <sighs> See, part of me was like, what skill am I going to learn while we're doing this? And I'm like, I still don't have time. Like, because between working a full-time job, which is actually like crazier now, and then like schoolwork and everything like that, it's like, I still don't have time to learn a hobby. I can't come out of this better. I'm coming out of this worse. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, all right, man. I appreciate it. I hope they let me in